created live on Fireside. Welcome, I'm Laura Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Binstock. Everyone has an opportunity to ask questions or our guest questions by requesting to hop on stage or sending a message in the chat box. Today's guest is John Bernardo. John is an award-winning film and video director, producer with over 20 years of experience in the industry, specializing in documentary film and digital docuseries. John has produced a variety of long-form content, television integrations, and web series that have aired on AMC, ESPN, NBCU, and Sundance TV. His most recent film, is the documentary A Peloton of One, which follows Dave Olmuller, a survivor of childhood sexual abuse by a priest and his journey towards healing. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Lorelei. Thank you for having me. Well, A Peloton of One is the winner of the J.P. Morgan Chase Audience Award, which was given at the Greenwich International Film Festival. So congratulations on that. Um, This documentary is about surviving childhood sexual abuse, focusing on the next chapter in the survivor story, uh, which happens after a victim comes forward. And this film follows David Omoller who begins a solo bicycle ride from Chicago to New York, meeting a variety of other survivors and legal advocates along the way to raise awareness on the statutes of limitations. So, John, how did you, how did this film come about? Yeah, so Dave Omoller and I, we went to high school together. Ah. Yeah, so, you know, Dave and I actually um, played basketball together, you know, so we hung out a lot freshman year. But over the years, he was, you know, one of those guys in high school who sort of just faded away. And so um, Dave was abused in uh, when he was around 14 or 15 years old. And he didn't come forward. um, I'm sure you heard this story many times until 2015, 30 years later. Um, And so when he started to, you know, talk about that and coming forward he and i um talked maybe around 2017 started to talk about uh just getting back together again just 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 meeting up again you know classically through social uh media and then he found out i was doing another documentary on taekwondo and um eventually we got together and he he wanted to tell this story and so it was very much privileged to be a part of that wow um, did you know at the time that he was that there was something that was going on? No, I mean, I, I tell you, it, again, he was just one a very affable, very um, fun guy to be with. You know, we remember freshman and sophomore year, and then you know a lot of guys I you know I still talk to in high school. You know, when we when I told them you know I was doing this project. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, it was classic. Dave, I, I didn't know if he even graduated high school. So clearly, in hindsight, you know, something happened. And the more – and he, he, was, he was a pretty good athlete. Also, a uh, star tennis player, you know, the guys who I knew 
um, who played that sport were far closer to him than I were than I was. Um, certainly talked to you know those classic you know stories of process of getting into you know alcohol and eventually drugs and certainly just you know falling out of society. Um, so no, it, it, I did not know back then, but again, in hindsight, you see the signs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, you say 30 years later, I, th- I feel like this is a, this is the case with the majority of survivors. It's, it's honestly the case for me. I'm a childhood sexual abuse survivor as well. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't breathe a word about it until probably more than 25 years later. It was a really, um, it was something hard that I didn't realize affected me so much. Like you said, with the drug abuse, with just, you know, it, of course I came off as like, oh, I'm this happy person. I'm, you know, you, yeah. you, we put on this face, um, yeah. but deep down it, 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 it's killing us. Right. Um, the, the, the level of shame and guilt, um, you know, in the beginning of the film, um, the co-producer Joe Capozzi is also in the film. He's a survivor. He came forward uh, ten years earlier today, two thousand five. You know, he's a fantastic actor, fantastic producer, uh, and thankfully we worked this sort of together. So, you know, he worked um, on the film as a sort of mentor to Dave. My my lens was really the the audience, right? You know, mm-hmm. I you know I. And not a survivor. I did ask, you know, my family, uh, Asian Filipino family, you know, very religious, still mm-hmm. very religious, as am I, you know, sort of permission, or at least talk about that I was going forward with this project. And, you know, they gave their blessing. And, and my father really told me, you know, you're, you're just like the gymnast, the audience that you're trying to connect to, you know, outside of the survivor community, of course. Is is the people you know just like the gymnasts who want to clean up gymnastics? You know we don't want the church burn. We don't want you know uh, that thing to be completely disconnected. We just want um, this to be addressed um, and ideally fixed. Right. Uh, that's that's interesting. I also come from a Filipino American family. Yeah. Um, you know, it's for 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 my family. It was more like this. Their mental health is stigma. You know, I, I'm, oh, if I had, right. you know, obviously like, so I, I was sexually abused by my father. Yeah. Um, and and I, I feel like when I was going through my struggles, when I was going through my suicide, I, I've made, had multiple suicidal attempts in my life, yeah. um, including when I was living, um, you know, at home. And it was like, we cannot take her to the hospital because people will talk. And that was Ab- just oh, gosh, such right. a... It's just a horrible, horrible and horrible thing Um, because actually back then, you know, in the 90s, nobody really talked about this Um, because I feel like they would have been like, oh, if we talk about mental health, if we talk about all these things, someone they will think something's wrong with us because nobody else is talking about it. Right, right. I don't mean to interrupt, but like, you know, there's there's two huge obstacles, right, mm-hmm. um, in this issue. The one, the big one, and we can talk about this one later, is, you know, lack of institutional control, right? The ubiquity mm-hmm. of this problem, be it the church, be it in sports, uh, Boy Scouts, even at the home and school. So that's that's the big one. But, you know, what was shocking 
you know, very early on, um, you know, your immediate circle, you know, it's that first rung. So, you know, again, this film, there's a, there's been great films on the topic, you know, as, as spotlight, obviously Academy award winner, but you know, at the heart of gold talking about, again, the ULS, uh, gymnastics, uh, leaving Neverland. So a lot of those are fantastic. Absolutely recommend watching those, but you know, they really talk about up to the reveal, right? Like the bravery that got to, you know, have this issue brought forward. What we did was, was take it. Then, then what happens after they come forward, really what happens? Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I bring that up is that, that, that first circle, my gosh, what an obstacle, you know, that is, which was shocking to hear and hear multiple times, you know, did it matter what state didn't matter what, you know, economic lifestyle or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, that first, that first ring of validation, um, was such a huge obstacle to overcome, especially in the minority um, families, which was very surprising, but um, understood to a degree. Yeah, yeah. When, what, did anything shock you about this film? Did anything, when you, you agreed to do this film, did it, in listening to these survivor stories, was there anything where you were like, oh my God, I just, I can't, I can't believe this. This is a very heavy topic. Well, I'll tell you two, one smaller anecdotal story, and then I'll, I'll address that question specifically. Mm -hmm. So as a filmmaker, um, so I directed this along with my regular partner, Steve Malarca, who was the lead editor. And, you know, he would tell me stories that I, you know, we could hunker down in a dark room for, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours, you know, I would go grab something to eat and, you know, you know, we would trade and stuff like that, but we really could not do that with this film. So it, it was like two hours hearing one story being overwhelmed. And Steve, Steve was doing the large, large majority of that. And he would just tell me, I, I just couldn't do it. I had to take a break. You know, he would just call me if I wasn't around there already. And we would just talk about anything else. We would talk about the Knicks, you know, we would talk about anything but this because it was, you know, obviously heavy as you alluded to, but I, I think that the shocking thing for me, and it happened very early on. So like a, a lot of the movie obviously is based on the bicycle ride from Chicago to New York and the commonality of stories, um, again, as predicted by Joe Capozzi was just shocking. And, and it is everything from, you know, the, the, the classic grooming to the, to the self-abuse, self-medication, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that commonality of stories, again, didn't matter if you were black, white, again, whatever race, it didn't really matter what religion you were in. And when there's in so many fields and the story is, is almost exactly the same, you, you could have just rinsed and repeat a lot of them. And that was the most shocking to me. Again, the, the size of it for sure, but that the pattern was continuous no matter where we were. And, you know, again, we went from you know, places like Altoona, Pennsylvania, you know, to New York City. And amazingly, the story was was very similar. I know. And, and you know, as a survivor, you're like, this is shocking <laughs> to me. When I learned, I, I read the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, of course, um, yeah. And I just remember reading all of the symptoms of PTSD, of childhood sexual abuse. And I literally ticked the box on, it, box on everything. It was like, check, check, check. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. these are literally textbook symptoms of childhood sexual abuse. 
how did we not know this? Oh, <laughs> how did gosh. I not know this? <laughs> and I, I think, well, you know, the title of the film, we talked about this on, online a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, a peloton of one. So in cycling vernacular, a peloton just means a group of cyclists. So in a race, it's the major group of cyclists. But peloton is just like, you know, a pride of lions, right? Or a wolf pack. It just means a bunch of cyclists. But the notion that you're just talking about that, again, I learned very quickly is the notion of shame of guilt of being alone, right? Of an island that this only happened to you. And obviously this is uh, unfortunately aided by you know, people who are putting you on an island. Like, don't, let's not talk about this. This mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, a quirky thing that happened and we'll get over it together, but let's not tell anybody because of shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whether they, they put themselves on this island or were put on this island, the notion that they were one in a, in a billion, um, and, and obviously somehow their fault, um, oh gosh, you know, that was what was painful, right. And the editing brought, that was what was painful in the storytelling. It was painful, um, in the interviews to hear all that. And, and thus that's where the name came from. And, and the notion of even Dave, as you saw in the film, very much saw, even though we filmed them for about a year getting ready you know, for the ride physically and, you know, what was going on with him as he's, you know, coming forward and try to, um, you know, move on in his life, you know, as he started the bike ride, you know, visually and mentally and in every way you can say he was biking on his own. That's what he thought. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, thankfully at the end of the film, there was, there was a bit of hope of meeting other people and and finding out that there is a community finding out as you, as you just mentioned, um, that you're not alone, that this is a symptomatic thing because many, many people have gone through these same experiences. And obviously that's what we were trying to do with the film. It's still like, again, afterwards, when you learn all this stuff and these steps and there's, you know, the legal ramifications or the legal issues, you know, you are not alone. If there's one thing we can do is that the Peloton is big and, and one really means a group of one, uh, mm-hmm. you know, acting as one community as opposed to the beginning stages, which is isolation. Right. Well, well, I have to say, I did watch the movie. It was very, it was wonderfully done. It, Thank you. It was very emotional, especially you did speak to a father, um, oh. who whose son passed, whose son was was a victim. I honestly, I'm getting really worked up right now thinking about it right now. How oh, how, how was that for you guys? Because oh, that was a really that, oh, difficult. Story. I tell you, that is. Uh, a little more than halfway, um, you know, through the journey, and a father, obviously, as I can relate, um, I have teenage uh, sons now. Mm-hmm. Dave could relate. Well, everyone in the crew uh, um, had families. Just punched, you know. You know, they're, they're, everyone had a obviously empathy and sympathy for the survivors when, when the father comes on and he's a police detective, mm-hmm. he, uh, a decorated police detective. And this was happening right under his nose and it's such a powerful day, you know, starting with, you know, the mother giving us a tour of the house of, of their son's room big Philadelphia Eagles fan, you know, so a lot of 
paraphernalia from back in the day when they, they enjoyed those experiences. Of course, they did not get to see, he did not get to see the Eagles winning uh, the Super Bowl. But just that conversation, you know, with the mother and then the sit-down conversation with, with the father. Um, what a long day. Grateful to have that experience, but uh, emotionally um, gut-wrenching for sure. Yeah. It really, just watching it, it took it took a lot out of me to just listen to this person's story because it's, you know, he's all, he's also a survivor. He's a survivor of incredible trauma of losing your child. Yes, yes. Being able, like, it, it, I, I feel that that was just, whew. But I think, you know, it felt like a, we learned a lot from him. It's just... He me as me immediately as when he found out what had happened to his son that these priests had, you know, done this to his son when his son, you know, I, I he he was completely like I'm here for you. It wasn't. Oh yes, yes. It yes. was. It, you know, like most parents, I feel like they we have to be quiet. Um, and the fact that he had to lose his son then, um, was was really heart wrenching. Um. There, were, there was a story that we it didn't make the film, but I love to talk to it, in which they went on vacation one time and, um, you know, shortened the story. But basically, the, the father had some heart palpitation or something, and his son basically rescued him, just, uh, just got to him in time and, you know, got him to a hospital. And... Um, this was already after the son sort of came forward. Um, and um, there, were, there was just a line. There was, there was a lot, you know, where we all just cried inside. We, we just kept it with the families. Like, you know, he said something to his son, like, you saved me. And then the son said right back. And then he said, you saved me. And not, not too much after that, um, you know, the son committed suicide. So, um, mm. If there were, for me, if there was ever any sort of notion that there is a clear form, like, oh, you would know, right? Or, or, you know, yes, it's happening, but it's happening over there. You know, it's not really my thing. It's not something for me to get involved with. That's the story. And, and you know, that was why it was, was certainly powerful to me. That, that we wanted that story in the film because it's like this guy, you know, as classic, uh, you know, someone you would think from Philly, from Southside Philly, police detective, hardened police detective, and he mentions it in the film. You know, I've dealt with every level of um, bad guy. Um, mm -hmm. And he couldn't believe that was happening right there and the level of bad guy that he had to face. And, and, thank, and yes, I think at the same time, that's where that back half begins a lot of the hope as well um, of the film, which we were trying to project as well. There are, there are more people coming and trying out. And you know, it's been a while. So like, you know, you talked about the 90s. Joe Capozzi often talks about the early 2000s was still not an issue open for any kind of discussion, right? Mm -hmm. And then even when we began, you know, the very early talks was late 2017. We were just, you know, trying to feel this out. What, you know, what do we do with this? 
um, we would talk to it in 17 and 18 as uh, the child abuse project, not the childhood sexual abuse project. I think I heard in a couple of your other podcasts, like just bringing up that term sexual just brings a taboo at no one wants to talk to you. Certainly no one wants to hear a fundraiser, you know, about it. Um, certainly institutions put their guard up. Um, so that's, that's not even four years ago, you know, five years mm -hmm. ago. So I can't imagine what you, you know, were facing it in the nineties when Joe was facing it in the two thousands. Um, and, and again, I'm glad to do anything we can. And you're in this podcast and, and a lot of people you thought to, you know, thank God we're at least able to get to this stage when we're talking to it. Um, and it's not this taboo thing. Like don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Still wants to go, but it is, it is a victory to be even talking this right now. You also spoke to a woman in, in the film and it was really interesting to me because she was just, that she had a therapist who told her that something, that this was wrong. Oh, that, yeah. And, and I, when she said, she, she said, well, you know, this was my fault. This was oh. my fault. Cause, and I think there's this whole thing, this whole idea that, you know, if it's not violent, if you're not, if you don't have a gun to yes. your head and someone's yes. doing something wrong yes. to you, then you could have said something. You could have stopped it because they weren't physically hurting you. Right. You know, and, and I think that's where we, there's so much shame in that and shame. And, and if, if it's not violent, then it, it has to be the victim's fault. <laughs> and I feel like that's so wrong. And certainly for, you know, underage person who's just just trying mm -hmm. to figure out you know where everything is in the world right like you know you have some sense of right and wrong but you know all you eventually see is a lot of gray and you know exactly she is talking about a grown man you know fondling her in a pool but oh i probably could have got away I'm like, oh my god <laughs> you're just you're so you know literally in the deep end already you shouldn't be there mm -hmm. to think that's your fault. Oh, right. And, you know, what was big about her story is, you know, you know, for the survivor community, she was the first one to stand up with Dave. She had the same abuser. So they have not, they did not, they have never met until we saw her in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, he knew of her. They were in the same um, court process together, never really talked to her, but she validated this. Or she was the first one to put her hand up that I was abused by the same person, which was huge. And, 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 and part of the um, beauty, if you will, of the film is that, you know, we had people lined up to a degree, but, um, you know, Joe and I talked for a long time. I was like, I don't know if we have enough people. We'll figure it out. And so once mm -hmm. we started, we just put our hands up. We'll be in Pittsburgh. We'll be in Columbus. We'll be in Altoona, as I mentioned. And people came forward, you know, thank God. And so she came forward, you know, after we announced that we were doing oh. a lot as we were riding. And then I, I didn't even know that at the time that they never interacted. They never met. They were in the same courtroom a couple of times a couple of the same mediations, but they never really interacted. He knew of her, of course. He knew 
and he, the outpouring of, of their discussion together um, was unexpected and beautiful, obviously, where he told her, you know, without you, you know, I don't know if he's standing there right now because she validated the story. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and w- what I heard from her, and I, I feel like I heard this nearly across the board with everyone you, you interviewed for the film, was that they weren't really going to say anything yeah. until Dave said something. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. that's the case for everyone. Um, right. at, at least for me, when I, you know, when I was in treatment, I, I didn't breathe a word of it, about it, like I said, for over 20 something years. And then when I finally had the courage to say it, other people said that the same thing happened to them. Yes. And what I found in the film, I, I've just, that's just powerful how one person standing up and saying this happened to me really allowed all of these other people to say, you know what, that happened to me too. Because they didn't feel so alone. And I mean, obviously, that's the reason for the, the title, A Peloton of One. And, I, and it's brilliant. <laughs> I, I tell you, but even early on in the process, I'm sure you can relate also, even when you come forward and start saying you still think you're on an island right until so that even and then something you got the validation and that's great but you know what was what i was grateful to help along was that he needed to actually connect to actually be with more people um you know and talk to it as if he can talk about anything else as if he's talking about tennis as if he's talking about a movie because without that um comfortability if that's the right word um mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't be able to talk about it for more than two sentences really i guess is what i'm trying to say um yeah. and he still has issues with it clearly you know i think everyone's noticed that at the end of the movie um as most of ours you know is it, it's the beginning you know you know there, there was certainly uh, to a degree he you know Dave was hoping, and we everyone's hoping that oh, at the end of the film, there's a there'll be a you know understanding or feeling that you were whole. But I think everyone understood, even Dave understood, and Joe was trying to you know communicate that to Dave like the entire ride. At the end of the ride, that's going to be great for this chapter, with many miles more to go. Um, but we'll be there now. Now you know there's a community that that you can actually say, and he was a large part of that, a large part of that, because like you said, he put his hand up. You know, at least six other people put their hand up against this one person, and other people, hopefully, are, are doing it as well. And and he was empowered as well, like seeing all. So, um, no, I don't mean to fast forward. I don't know if you had a sequence, but when we went to the Harrisburg uh, event, we were already past that point, and you know, technically, um, we weren't going to go back there, but we were invited. And like just going to that event, I think, was very therapeutic. Seeing other people. Um, you know, having the same charge, you know, that was incredibly empowering as well. Yeah. I want to talk about the statutes of limitations. I, I, you, you spoke to many lawmakers sure. along the way. And what did you find surprising? <laughs> well, I, 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 well, I was going to open with that with your first question about shocking, but I figured I, I'd hold it for a little <laughs> bit for as long as I could. But, you know, Again, this was about uh, surviving, moving forward. What happens when you come forward? And ridiculously, surprisingly, you know, the punch in the nose is the statute of limitation laws. 
And so, you know, at the time when we were doing the, you know, that sort of Eastern corridor, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania were the hotbeds, at least of the intention, you know, nationwide, if you will. Um, you know, if, if you didn't come forward by the age of 23, five years after legally being an adult, you couldn't take your abuser to court, no matter what evidence, no matter what evidence you had, you couldn't do it because oh, you're 23. Right. And what, what was that's that's one of the groups that were that we were able to interview Marcy Hamilton and Catherine Robb of Child USA. You know, they were smart, I'll call it around 2015 as well. I forgot exactly when they started that what what this issue needs is actual data, right? Research. And so they did like a multiple year study that found out that it takes multiple years for anyone going through this level of trauma. Um, you know, equal to, you know, any level of, you know, severe strain, be it war or, you know, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, to come forward until they're, you know, to their 40s, really. I forgot the exact number, but it certainly wasn't 23, right? And so armed with that, a lot of, you know, again, great local politicians you saw that from, you know, Indiana, um, Joe Vital in New Jersey, Christine Hale in Indiana. You, you saw all these people like, all right, now I have something to argue this point that 23 is kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, thankfully, a lot of them were able, were successful. So New York, New Jersey, and even Pennsylvania were able to up this, this statute with the age to 50. You know, I forget the exact number. I think it's somewhere in the 50s, which is fantastic. But then the next fight is, of course, can you retroactively, through a legal window, then try the cases that happened before that law took place? Because as with every law, even if you were able to, to change it, it only gets affected from that day forward. In other words, Dave couldn't go back because the law happened afterwards, You know, couldn't go back and really do much of anything, um, which is crazy in itself. So thankfully, Places like New York, New Jersey did give, you know, one year, two year windows. And that's and that's kind of a lot of what the fight is right now, which is great. But Pennsylvania, you know, still unimaginably um, has no window. Like you can't go back. It's like, oh, yeah, I can't realize we made a mistake. Yeah, I guess touch limitations should have been 50 probably. But it is 50 now. Like, oh, what happened to the people who abused the day before that? Oh, sorry. You know, mm -hmm. you guys can't do it. And then, like, even, uh, you know, more insane, it, and even the biggest, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, you know, singular case against Larry Nassar and, you know, the U.S. Olympic gymnast in Michigan, um, you know, where he was tried, they were like, okay, fine, we messed up there. We will we will give a 90-day window. Like, 90 days. 90 days is, is kind of, and then even worse, 90 days only against people who are abused by Larry Nassar. As, again, as if you're just going to deny the ubiquity of this issue. It's the same. So that political fight certainly continues. What was their reasoning? I mean, 23. That just, that makes no sense to me, obviously. It took me way longer sure. know, just to, to talk about what happened to me. Um, I was 35 
Um, and honestly, I was going to take it to my grave. But yeah. why the why twenty three? Why did you figure out why? No, I, I think it's a relatively arbitrary number, and I think it is. You know, I'll I'll tell you the real reason, which which is obvious, and you've talked about it before in your podcast. But um, the number equates to whatever crime people in power could level it against. In other words, I, I, don't, I don't know what five years, stealing, you know, stealing bubble gum, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you know, misdemeanor level, uh, you know, crimes. And so um, at, at a certain point, this is all I, I, I kind of glean, but again, the bigger issue I'll speak to in a few seconds is that, you know, in the beginning, it was like, if you don't really know, if you don't have like a study, like Child USA did, then you go with the minimum, right? Well, five years. We'll give them five years, right? Uh, if it's such a big deal, they'll come forward, which is the language you hear a lot. If it's such a big deal, they should be able to come forward, not knowing, not mm. not knowing, not acknowledging the psychological damage, the social damage, uh, what have you. And so the bigger issue, I know you didn't really ask this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward with this anyway, is Again, that, what I mentioned earlier, there's two major obstacles. There's, you know, you're, you're, what happens when you come forward, your first ring, who believes you first, who validates you, family, friends, and the like. That's obviously tremendous on how you can um, psychologically, society-wise sort of move forward. But the, the bigger one, the second one, is institutional, right? The lack of institutional control across the board, right? Again, it, it doesn't matter if it was... It seems like the same pattern, whether again, whether it's church, sports, music, um, school, Boy Scouts, whatever it takes, there there seems to be there as well. We didn't go into it that much, but there seems to be similarly an institutional pattern to suppress uh, any chance that this could disrupt um, financial, I suppose, more than anything else, proceedings in that world. Um, and therefore, lobbyists are are put in charge to 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 really prevent um, any uh, flood of you know court cases in, in this area. Even though it is understood that it, it it is clearly a bigger issue, it's like you know that's that's their e- relatively easy fix. Like, don't let it come to court. If it doesn't come to court, then how big of a problem is it? Like, well, you, well, you can't bring it to court because it's only five years. I'm not ready yet. You know, <sighs> it is a dastardly smart way of preventing, you know, this from really coming forward. You know, that, that they are the equivalent of parents, uh, teachers, or whoever, who are trying to hush it. And they're only able to hush it because everyone's on board right now i i still very much believe that it's still in the level of a few apples in the church but unfortunately the apples are, are way too high up that are allowing that to continue so uh, you know i'll also say what what that how that also becomes a problem is that by denying that there really is an issue denying even financial you know retribution there's really no, it just started, but there, there's no healing process that's really happening in the way that it needs to be happening, at the rate it should be happening on any side, right? There's no healing happening 
with survivors at the rate that there should be. And there's no, all right, fine. I'll, I'll buy the few apples things as it comes to the church or it comes to gymnastics. I'll, I'll buy that. But those people need help. Like we, if that happens again, we need to put them in a place where, you know, they themselves can get help as opposed to let's just put them in the next parish and hope it doesn't happen again. And we'll have some, and then what happens, it happens again. And so the institutional cover is, is obviously saving money for them, but it's, it's just clearly exacerbating the problem. Oof. Yeah. It's if, if only people understand, stood the, the social impact that from one individual of sexual abuse, um, who is surviving sexual abuse, you know, like we just, we were talking about just um, addiction and, and all of these coping mechanisms that, that survivors use to numb themselves because they, they can't, they, they can't speak up um, and they can't find justice or they can't find, um, you know, healing when, when there's someone out there walking around who is, um, causing so much damage in people's lives, uh, it just blows my mind. And I, I think again, anything Joe and I and Steve were just determined to tell that story, right? That you know, again, even at the end of this film is the beginning of Dave's you know life, this new life. Like their road, survivors' road from the day they come forward, is it? You know, yes, there should be some celebration that. If, you know, come to meet um, this issue, you know, dealing with it honestly. But oh my God, it, it, that road, that that winding, twisting, it, it it's it's still full of twists, still full mm -hmm. of winding, if not you know double. And honestly, you know that, you know, certainly more than me. It's just that is the beginning of another huge tale that people need to listen to. And again, that's what that's what this is like. I. We were just trying to begin this conversation on a big scale, like, oh, I can relate to, I, I don't know if I can relate to all five of them, I can certainly relate to those two, and I can relate to those two, and like, oh, but we definitely have all these issues, certainly legally, and like, what is happening? It's not like, oh, great, now come forward, you know, let the healing begin. The healing can't even begin because there's such roadblocks, you know, to that, um, yeah. at the very least, is what we were trying to do. Well, is there anything that you would like to add? Well, to, to build on the momentum of at least the back half of this conversation, obviously November is right around the corner, right? And November elections aren't won. Well, certainly the one on that day, you know, the inroads to, to win those things happen now, right? And obviously there's always the big issues of, you know, health and, education and safety i get it but like you know women's rights there and then children's rights is what we're talking about right you know that is on the table you know mm -hmm. how can i help you know yes watch these films you know talk and listen to survivors certainly believe in them but if there's anything you can do find out where these guys stand it's it's 100 percent transparent find out where they stand you know on this issue you know, make it a judgment, even if it's someone you believe in, like, oh, that's nine of the 10 issues I believe in, this one is bad. I'm not even saying vote against that person, but get on that person and just find out why, and, you know, get that person to convert, you know, on that one issue or vote against mm -hmm. them because of that, you know, figure it out. But 
you know, November's around the corner. If there's one thing you can do um, outside of just, you know, being with us is doing it. 100%. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything you do. That was John Bernardo, award-winning film and video co-director, co-producer of A Peloton of One. Catch this amazing documentary on Amazon Prime or Apple TV, or you could go ahead and click on that fortune cookie right there. There's a link to um, both. Or you could just head over to a TST podcast.com. That's the letter A, tstpodcast.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider Magazine in your inbox monthly. Join me next week on Fireside Chat when Intuitive Soul Guide Marcy Moberg joins me to discuss healing trauma through accessing your subconscious through plant medicine and dream work. Join you can, you've can. you been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast on Fireside. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. Take care.